You know, there's a word that is used across the country and often in times in many churches. It's the word Christian. It's a word that I don't use too often around here. Instead, I use the word Christ follower. I don't use the word Christian because it is a word that has been devalued of its meaning. No one knows what it means anymore because most people in churches in the United States who call themselves Christians, their lives don't have any difference than those who don't go to church. And so basically, we should call them churchgoers instead of Christians. And as churchgoers, there's some things that need to be heard to be able to make the move from being a churchgoer to a Christ follower. I use the word Christ follower because it's self-explanatory. I follow Jesus, His teachings, and His ways. I am a Christ follower. It denotes action. It denotes it's not passive. It's active. And so that's the reason we use those words. And, and I don't separate, well, I'm a Christian. I'm just not a disciple. That's a bunch of bull. It's one and the same. You follow Jesus. You're a Christ follower. That is a disciple. It's synonymous to me. I hope that you will join me in saying and understanding what these words mean. And that you'll understand when I say churchgoer, that's not really a complimentary, complimentary thing. When I say Christ follower, that's a good thing. And when I say Christian, I'm just talking about the Christian faith in general across the globe, around the world. But today I want to talk to you about three marks of a true Christ follower, not a churchgoer. And this would distinguish someone from being a churchgoer and a Christ follower. Three marks. Identity. Intimacy. Responsibility. And we've been, we've been using different words in, in our mission. We've been saying love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm just defining those words for you. In intimacy, identity, responsibility of Jesus Christ. These three marks, again, I'm talking very specifically today to this church. But I want you to know those three marks are for any Christ follower anywhere in the world. They're the marks of someone who is growing in Christ. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you do things, these three things exactly wonderful. But it means that you've made a decision to grow in these areas. You know, in my mind, I've named this day a day of decision. To some, it might be a vision Sunday uh, or a chance to explain why Highland the way it is. But there are three snapshots that I want to share with you. One of a ship, one of a family, and one of a tree. And sometimes I think of our church like a ship. Jesus, He's the captain. We're all following Him and His orders and what He wants. And the crew is, is all the people of the church. All of us. And Jesus is leading us, navigating. And, and we each have a part to play. And the part I play sometimes is not always on the deck with the crew or below in the engine room, but actually outside of the ship, inspecting it to see if it's staying seaworthy. The reason I call this day, day of decision, is because my inspection of the ship tells me we're not going to make it to our destination unless there are some decisions made by each person on board. Now I know that as a church, we talk about belong before you believe. The idea of 
welcoming people into community as, as they figure out belief. It's a model demonstrated by St. Patrick, but let me tell you how he did that. Let me help you understand what belonging means. Because I think sometimes we think belonging is, I'm going to come to a comfy little spot, I'm going to receive some things, and I'm going to sneak away. That's belonging. Let me tell you what belonging meant to St. Patrick. St. Patrick went with a band of followers, showed up in the village in the busiest crossroads. He asked the chief, hey, can I build a, a school or a church here? The chief said, sure. And then he'd start building. And as he built with his band of followers, the villagers would all stand around. And they'd kind of gawk and look. But then he'd say, hey, come here. Give me a hand with moving this big stone. We're, we're going to make this part of the, the, the hearth, the fireplace in this place. Or come here, help me. I need you to carry some of these beams over here. We're going to put a roof on this thing. And they, they'd start joining in. And as they joined in with the work, they kind of joined in with the community, the activity that was going on. You see, it wasn't belonging wasn't passivity. Belonging was activity and being a part of what was going on. All right? So I hope you understand what I mean by belong before you believe. You might be still working out belief, and that's cool. But I want you to come with us. Join us in the activity. Because I believe that in doing, there are things that we discover. In doing, there are things that our minds are made aware of. Philemon 6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. That's a free one. That's not going to show up on the screens. When we become active... God makes us aware of the good things we have in Christ. God's, and I want you to know, in, in belonging, God's love is unconditional. Meaning, if, if you fail in some way, or your imperfections become known, His love doesn't stop for you. But it doesn't mean that love doesn't have expectations. I mean, doesn't Jesus Himself say, if you love Me, you, you will obey Me? That's an expectation. Yet Jesus' love is unconditional. If you don't obey Him, He still loves you. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So let me say this about belong before we believe. If you're just visiting today or for the past two months, I hope you're sensing God's welcome. But most of what I say today will be for you to listen and to weigh. And know a decision for you will, is, is coming. It may not be today. So I, I, I just want to extend that to you for those of you who are just kind of visiting here for the first time or maybe just in the first two months and checking things out. But if you've been coming regularly two to four months, then you, you're, you're probably right at the place where decision is imminent. Now, I know some of you might go, well, I came here because I came from a bad church experience. It got burned and I need to heal. I just need to sit and soak up. And I want to challenge that because I've been watching that kind of thing for the past seven years here. And I just want to say, I don't think healing is going to happen in isolation. Healing is going to happen in community. You need to be a part, and maybe you need to be part of a healthy community, and that would be a good thing. So today, maybe your day to decide. And if you've been attending Highland for more than four months, then this day is specifically for you if you already haven't made a decision. And if you're unsure about that, then you, you need to show up at a base point. You need to hear the facts and go, I need to ask my questions. What does this church believe? I want to know what the mission is and how you're getting there. And I need to know if I'm really going to fit into this or not. You need to come. 
And if you're still wrestling with that, and you're like, I don't know if I want to do that, then you're wrestling with fear of commitment. That's your issue. And you've got to confront it. Because it's not going to go away. It's going to keep coming up at Boy Scouts. It's going to come up at, at whatever organization or, or thing, your job, your marriage, friendship. Commitment is there in everything. You can't escape it. You're going to have to face it. Face the fear. So what is the decision I'm talking about? Well, if you've been here more than four months, I would say that most likely there is some sort of belief and belonging going on already. Right? I mean, why would you be sticking around? I'm not sure. But today, I want to ask everyone here to move from belief to faith. What's the difference? James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, later in the conversation about belief and action in James 2.22, the Scripture says of Abraham, you see that his belief and actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Belief plus action equals faith. You know, I'm glad that many of you have come to a place of belief. And I know for some of you, that's been quite a journey just to get to belief. That, that there's a, a, a monotheistic belief. There's one God. I mean, you are a pantheist way out here or, or worshiping trees or whatever. I don't know, but it took you a long time to get here. And I'm excited for you that you got to this point. But I want to tell you that your journey isn't over because even the demons believe that there's one God. And they shudder. Of course, they have rebelled against Him. So part of my challenge for you today is move from basic belief that even demons have and step into a faith that places you into the family of God. And this brings me to the second snapshot. The family. And the pathways that the family of Christ walk. And what do you do on a pathway? You walk on it. You move. Again, it's not a passive thing. When you believe, take action on that belief and you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your faith automatically makes you a part of the family of God. By faith, you are a child of God. Nothing can change that. God's purpose is for you to not remain a baby though. To not remain immature in your faith, but to grow in your faith into the likeness of the Son. That's where all of this is going, folks. This is why He did this all. For us to be with Him and to be in the image of His Son. You must continue in your faith. Putting belief and action together in following the Son of God. In this family of maturing children, not perfect children, but maturing children, here are some of the pathways that we walk. One, we walk in love. Think of the, the highland symbol and the heart. And how do you grow in that love? You develop intimacy. Intimacy with our Lord is what He wants you to grow in as His child. doesn't matter if you go to this church or not. He wants you to grow in that. And what do I mean by intimacy? You need to spend enough time with Him to recognize His voice. If you are a Christ follower... You've got to hear His voice when He calls you so you can follow Him, right? 
And if you don't recognize your, your, His voice or you're following other voices, that's going to be hard to be a Christ follower then. A father says tender things to his sons and daughters. And you need to hear those tender things. A father says things like, I love you. I'm so excited about who you are right now. And I'm so excited about who you're going to be. Those are the kind of things that we need to hear from our Father's voice. And we need to recognize and distinguish that from when the enemy speaks to us. Because the enemy says terrible things to us. And we, when we believe them, it sends us in a, a death spiral. You're a loser. You're a bum. You never amount to anything. Those are the kind of things that the enemy says to us. And you need to distinguish between the enemy's voice and your father's voice. Sometimes a father uses his voice to warn us. You know, a daddy, a daddy who loves his children perfectly will raise his voice at his children if one of them's putting his hand on the burner of a stove or if a little toddler's running out into a busy street. A daddy who loves his kid is going to yell, Don't do that! We need to heed the warning of our Father. Sometimes your Lord and Father is just saying to his busy children, I don't know if you've seen some busy little kids running around there, picking up their toys, running around doing this, and they're playing with their Fisher-Price, this and that, and, and, and they're just back and forth, back and forth, and, and sometimes you just, you just want to grab them. And you just, just come sit on my lap. I just want to hold you. I just love you so much. I just adore you. And the child's, I want to get down. I want to do my thing, and I want to be busy, and I'm going to be all grown up like you. I'm going to pretend I'm talking on the phone or cooking something at the stove. And it's like, no, just come sit down beside me. Sometimes that's what your father wants of you, to develop intimacy with you so that you know him and he knows you. Let's just be together. And when you heed the voice of the Lord and you spend time with him, you will grow in that intimacy. Your love for Jesus will grow as you discover more about Him. There is a pathway for that here at this church. We have worship and we have the preaching of the Word which strengthens your love and your desire. And if your love is growing cold, you might need to worship and hear the Word preached more often than once a month. Well, I go to church 12 times a year whether I need it or not. And some people, you know, that, that's great for them. But I, I want to tell you, if your love is cold... You might need a little more to warm up your heart. You know, we have a pathway for growing in love and what we offer through daily reading plans in the Scripture and prayer plans and, and, and moments to join in group prayer with others. You know, you can keep giving hungry people fish to eat or you can teach them how to fish. And our staff and our gel leaders who act as pastors for groups of people Make time and they provide opportunities to learn how to feed yourself, how to fish, how to feed yourself from the Word. There's, we have daily reading plans, prayer plans, uh, that are just you and the Word of God, just you sitting with your Father. And every jail group has time where we pray for one another. And we learn to pray and we learn to listen to our Lord. There are times of focused prayer that we do in this church, sometimes meeting over at the prayer gallery in groups. It's a 24-7 uh, space with a coded entry. You can get in at any time. 
If you want to go there in the middle of the night, I'll give you the code. You can go there and pray and, and meet there with other people. But with all this, there is a choice. There is acting on what you believe. Will you decide to act and do the things that will cause you to grow in intimacy and strengthen your love? Will you do them? Choose the pathway to intimacy with your Lord. You know, when you do this, you get to know Him. And when you know Him, guess what happens? You figure out who you are in Christ. If He's the shepherd, you're the sheep. If He's, he, he's the father, you're the child. If He's the potter, you're the clay. If He's the teacher, you're the student. You figure out who you are. You don't need to go across, halfway across the world and study Eastern mysticism and figure out yourself and who you are. You just need to develop intimacy with the Lord. And you'll find out who you are. Intimacy with the Lord is the mark of a Christ follower who is growing and spiritually moving. Second part of the snapshot of the family and this leading of knowing who He is and knowing who you are leads to another pathway we walk in is maturing children. It's the pathway of identity. And at Highland, uh, you know, we have that symbol of, of the crown, the, the heart, and the hands. Think of the crown with loyalty in your identity. When you act upon your belief and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not just adopted as a child of God, you're also given a whole lot of brothers and sisters in Christ. You're welcomed into a very large family. There's a new loyalty to your father and a growing loyalty to this new family that you have. The other adopted children. The church. Now the father, like some of our earthly fathers, he calls us to the table as a family. And we share a common meal together. The Father, like some of our earthly father, calls us to work together for the good of the family. Working in unity and love with one another. You know, it happens more often than not, but sometimes there are children who say, I don't want to sit at the table. I, I'm, no. And I'm not going to eat? No. I'm not going to eat that food. And I'm, I, I'm, so I'm not going to go to the table. I'm not going to sit there. I'm going to do things on my own all by myself. You know what? You have the choice to do that. You have the freedom to do that. But I want you to know that if you do that, you're going to remain stunted, immature, and ineffective as a Christ follower. You want to know why? I mean, it, it won't change the fact that your father loves you. It won't change the fact that you're his child. But you'll be ineffective, stunted, and immature. See, the, the choice to not participate in the life of the church will, will cause these things because half of the Christian life is figuring out how to do these one another commands. Love one another. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. You can't do one another commands all by yourself, can you? It's an impossibility. You have to do those with other people. You will be ineffective because the people of God are not just a family, but a body. You have a specific part in the body of Christ. God has given you a gift for specific use in the body that can only work at its best in the body. What good are you if you're a toe, but you're severed from the body and you're sitting there flopping on the ground? I'm going to do things all by myself. Mm, mm, just watch. I'm going to do it. A toe all by, by itself is pretty ineffective. Really, it can do nothing apart from the body. 
You see, your identity is a child in the family, a vital part in the body. Are you going to choose to act on that belief? At Highland, we have help for your growth in your identity. And we call them gel groups. And it's where the life of this community happens. And you'll begin to practice those one another commands within that gel group. It's where you're going to develop friendships. And some of those friendships could be with potential mentors, those who will invest in your life, or with those mentees, those that you'll invest in. But you'll never know that until you throw yourself into that relational pool. It's our communities of practice, where we practice living as a family, practice living as the body, practice how do we live out these commands of Christ in the 21st century. I scratch my head sometimes, and I don't know how. Oh, but there's another believer who's experienced some of this. And they're a little further down the road, and maybe they can share something with me. See, we do this together, not alone. At Highland, we try not to have multiple programs for all ages of people because we believe that grandpa, mom, career dude, and college students, and kids all need each other and can learn from one another. It also keeps us from the busyness of a church, of, of, of all the church activities that keep us away from being involved and engaged with our community and our culture around us. But you've got to decide today if you're going to participate in the life of the church. Come to the table. Are you going to join the family? Or if you're going to be the island, alone and anonymous? You can. It's a choice. But I'm, I'm challenging you today. I'm charging you to act on your belief. Step into your identity. It is the mark of a cr- growing Christ follower. Third part of the snapshot of a family is, is our Lord and Father calls us to join Him in His work. His work includes maintaining the order of His house so that we can go with Him to bring more adopted children into His home. This, this is the pathway of responsibility. It's those hands. It's being the hands and feet of Christ. You know, like an earthly father, he gives us responsibility. Like earthly parents who have children enjoying the benefits of living at home, they ask their children to take responsibility of cleaning their rooms, helping with the daily chores, and and keeping the household running. There are needs. My heart was just broken this morning because I saw it happen right in front of my eyes. There's a few of us here trying to scatter and run around and get things together. I had my hands full with some things I had to hand off to a couple that were going to carry stuff over the Great Eagle. And there was a couple that came in and sat down in the back. And they sat and they're kind of looking around. And of course, it's five till nine and nobody's here except for the few people that are running around setting things up. And so they're kind of going, is church really going to meet here? Something going to start here? And I could, I could see the wheels turning, and I kept glancing over them, and I was like, ah, just give this to them, and I'm going to get over there to them. And they looked at the card that was on the seat and put it down, and next time I looked over, they are gone. I left. Nobody greeted them. Nobody said hi. People walked past them, back and forth. Let's go. I know some people, you know, someone greeting at the door. That's just silly. You don't need that. It's really important. It's a little frustrating. You know, but it's more than that. It's more than just taking care of things in the household so that we can invite more adopted children in. You know, he also gives us responsibilities with risk, calling us to join him in his mission as ambassadors. You know, I know that sometimes that's a scary thing, but he's a good father and he helps us. It's like when I've taken my children and had them learn how to use a power tool. 
cutting some wood. I held my hands on their hands the first time and helped them push through the cut in the wood. You know, the Father does the same thing with us. You you have a choice of acting on your belief that God has given you responsibility in His family. And at Highland, we have ways that you can step into that to maintain order in this house and to continue welcoming more adopted children in. We have teams that serve on each Sunday. Loving on kids in the nursery, serving coffee, welcoming people in, setting up the chairs, picking up trash, packing up supplies at the end of our worship. And without these responsibilities being carried out by everyone in the family, the family struggles and cannot carry out its mission. We also provide opportunities for you to be trained, to share your testimony, opportunities for you to be able to articulate the gospel, proclaim the good news. Through our jail groups, there are opportunities to be fishers of men, not alone with your rod and reel casting, but working together with nets. That's the way they fished in the New Testament. Every fall and spring, there is a chance to engage with people who don't know the Lord through Elevate classes. you got a skill? Share it with some people who don't have the skill. And pass along something else. Maybe your faith. we got... Uh, help where we need assisting in special events. We're reaching out to our community. That's why we always show up in parks and public places. We don't rent places where we hide away. We go to where people are at. The other part of responsibility that God gives us in this family is giving. When each person contributes in a sacrificial way, not casually, but consistently, the household has what it needs to carry out the Father's mission. When each person doesn't contribute, we lack. Giving seems to be an area where we sometimes don't want to grow up in our faith. But you know, when you look at Abraham and Jacob, those who are noted for their faith, you know what they did? They made a practice of giving 10% of what they had, of all they made, giving it to God. And this was before there was ever anything called the law or God's law. It was totally a decision of faith. Just like the first believers in the church who gave all that was needed in faith. You know, if you don't think, like to think about giving in monetary terms, then think of it in terms of work and glory. I mean, aren't we given the responsibility of doing all our work, everything we do for the glory of God? You know, if you gave a tenth of all your work, your muscle and sweat, what would that be? When you figure out 10% of your earnings by time, it turns out, it works out for most people that one day out of every two weeks is what you'd end up giving to God. So can you give two days of your work to God every month? I know responsibility is something we talk about with kids and tell them that they need to grow up and take responsibility. And sometimes they balk at that. But I wonder, do you balk when you give 15-20% to to your waiter or waitress when you go out to a restaurant? Yet you balk at thinking about giving 10% to God. Well, I don't have a real job. Well, do you have a fake job? You know, I personally know of a teenager making about taking home $8, $8 an hour working part-time. That teenager has the, has the opportunity to give $30 every two weeks, $60 a month, and that makes a difference for this church. Are you making more than, than that teenager? I think you got a real job. Look, I don't know who gives what at this church. I stay out of that. I made a commitment to stay out of that so I don't show favoritism to certain people and that I also that I can't be manipulated 
by those who think they can control the pastor by not giving. But as a lead pastor, I do have a responsibility to oversee, and I'm no dummy. I know, just looking at general numbers, that if each of you would not give casually, but give consistently, more than 2% of your income, anywhere from 3% to 5%, this church could be all that it needs to be. The income of this church would likely increase by a third of what it is now. Paul Faulkner, who is doing discipleship in financial areas, doing the, the uh, financial peace course, you know, he, he's talking to me about this. Shannon, if they, if they would all give 10%, the giving in this church would increase by 80%. And he gets all fired up and excited about that. He gets excited about what the church could do and be if everything was firing on pistons as it should be. Also, just looking at general numbers, I, you know, I can just look and say, you know, we've grown by 150 people in the past year and a half, but instead of our giving growing, our giving has shrunk. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at that and figure that out. It's not shrunk, but it's been erratic giving. One Sunday, it's amazing, but for most Sundays, it's terrible. You know, if your employer told you, hey, not sure what I can give you every two weeks in your paycheck for your full-time work, but I hope that you'll still be able to work for us and I hope you'll be able to figure out what sort of living space you can find and, you know, if you can afford a car, if you're going to have to take the bus or, or if you can plan to have a kid or not. Uh, you, know, you know, that's the kind of way it is around here at this church. We can't make any plans or budget beyond three months out because we don't know what will happen. The effects of giving and missions, which a major- this really affects it because a majority of it is based on a percentage. So when our giving is low... The missions we support suffers. But not only that, we can't spend money where it counts. We say we want to pass the baton of faith and leadership to the next generation, but each year we're spending less on children and students. It's that way with every ministry in this church. It's down to just supporting the people who carry out the ministry now. To tell you the truth, if the great physician were giving us a health exam, this specific church... I believe he would tell us that in this specific area, the body has not only a weakness, but a sickness. What I'm saying, folks, is that if some choices aren't made today to take responsibility in the family, responsibility in serving and giving, we are not going to make it to our destination. I'm charging you to act on your belief and don't remain passive, but to take up responsibility as a child of the Father. Now, I've shown you a snapshot of the ship of the family, and one last snapshot of a living organism that the church is. It's a snapshot of a tree. Jesus said the church, that you, the people, are like a vine or a tree with branches. You know, if Highland were drawn out like a living organism of a tree, it would look something uh, like, like the card that you got on your seat that was there. On one side, there's a picture of a tree. You put your roots down and, and you soak up all that the Lord offers all the things that the church is trying to offer so that you can grow in intimacy and all that nutrients and all that spiritual good stuff soaks up and it goes out to the branches, to the leaves and produces these leaves and fruit. The expression of your faith, the serving, the giving, the talking, the welcoming, all those things, all those nutrients shoot up a trunk the trunk that's in between the roots and the branches. This trunk that connects what you take in and what you produce. 
This is where your church, your community, stands as a connector between what you receive and what you give. Between what is impressed and what is expressed. And that trunk in this church is is gel groups. And I'm telling you that you're going to have a disconnect between what is impressed on you and what you express if you're not involved with the gel group. Without the life of the community found in a gel, you're going to struggle to produce fruit in this church. And if you're saying to yourself, dude, I don't do small groups, then I'm saying to you, why struggle at a church when you could thrive at another where they offer community in some other form? you got a choice if you're going to remain healthy. Today is your day of decision. Choose to grow in your intimacy with the Lord. Choose to grow in your identity with your family that you'll find in gels. Choose to grow in your responsibility through the baby steps of serving on a Sunday and giving consistently a percentage of your income. Don't resist what you know the Lord is telling you to do. Don't merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Make faith complete by choosing to act on what you believe. You know, the help to make those choices is surrounding you. We, we have these 14 little stations on, the, on that card and names those 14 places. All the resources that we're offering this, this, from this church. And I can promise you that the leadership of this church is going to be there for you to help you take those steps and growing in intimacy, identity, and responsibility. We won't abandon you. So, what I need right now, Nate's going to come on up here, and I need you to look at that card and just go, am I going to choose to commit? And in this moment, I need to ask you, with intimacy have you been lazy is that the reason that it's not there you've just been lazy if that's the case you need to repent you need to ask God's forgiveness for being lazy and not spending time with him and not making choices to develop intimacy with him I want to say in the area of identity have you been stubborn I don't want to come to the table I don't want to be a part of any family. And if you've been stubborn, you need to repent. You need to ask God's forgiveness right now. In the area of responsibility, have you been selfish? I just need to relax. There's other people who do that. You need to repent of your selfishness. And then for those of you who are already, maybe, man, I'm already committed in these three areas. I'm growing in these areas. Then I want to say, you know what? I need you to commit to sharing your testimony. I mean, I, I need someone here today with an iPhone, maybe Grady or, or Greg Penniston or a Nate, and, and they need to, to video you giving a testimony of saying, I took a step in intimacy, and this is how it's benefited my life. And we need to share it with the rest of the church because there's people here that don't believe it. They think this is some sort of gimmick. This is something the pastor always says. And they're muting my voice. But they won't mute your voice. They can't. 
and I need your testimony. If you're growing in these areas, I need you to speak out and tell others, you know what, I took up responsibility in the church, you know what, and I grew in my faith. It's true. This isn't a gimmick that the pastor is trying to get you to work or something. I need your testimony. And then also, if you're one, of, in, 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 if your people have already committed in these three areas and you're growing in, in these three areas, maybe there's been some bitterness. You've been angry because other people in the church have been lazy, selfish, and stubborn. And you're mad because you've been doing all the work. And I want to say one word. Forgive. We need to forgive them. A lot of them are acting in ignorance. They just don't know. Right. So right now, this might be a moment. You know, Nate, we're going to sing a song. I need you to sign a card. I need you to commit. Put put your name on the dotted line. There's some baskets over there. Put the card in the basket. There's places to sign your name on. I want to know more about it. I want to be in a team. I I want to be reminded to give. I want to. I want to be a part of a jail group. Sign it. Do it. There's people going to be standing around willing to ask, uh, answer your questions, those kind of things. But right now, in this moment, while this song is sung, what you might need to do is, is not stand. You might need to get on your knees. Just go, Lord, forgive me for selfishness. Forgive me for stubbornness. Forgive me, forgive me for laziness. Lord, I don't want those to be the mark of my life. I want the mark of my life to be intimacy with you. The mark of my life is that I have identity in you. I'm your child. I want the mark of my life to say is I accept responsibility of the Father. And His mission is my mission. I'm with Him. Make that your prayer.